Welcome to the show. I am your host, Todd Dallas-Lamb, and you're listening to On The Clock. On The Clock is a venture with the Strategos Podcast Network, where we feature an array of guests to dive into all things education. We hope you enjoy. Welcome back to On The Clock. I am your host, Todd Dallas-Lamb. With me today is TJ Parks, superintendent of Hobbs Municipal School District in Hobbs, New Mexico. TJ, thank you so much for being on the clock with me. I hope you're having a great day. I know you have about, what, a week left in your 40-year education career. I want to congratulate you on that, and, and thank you for being on the show. Thanks, Todd. It's real. It's a pleasure to be here, and I, I'm really excited about uh, having this conversation. Well, you know, we, as I mentioned in the pre-podcast chat that we had, uh, I speak to a lot of young superintendents who have a, a, a long runway ahead of them, hopefully. Uh, you are wrapping up, as I said, a 40-year career in education. You've been uh, a superintendent for 20 years. I'm hoping we can talk today about some kind of lessons learned and looking back at where education was when you joined and, and, and what it looks like going forward and maybe some thoughts for superintendents uh, who are just starting the journey. Absolutely. I, I do want to give a precursor uh, to a lot of my comments. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I will tell you that, that the majority of my thoughts and practices are based on experience. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't disregard research. Uh, I think everybody needs to look at research, but I think one of the things that we've done is we've spent too much time saying this has to be research-based uh, rather than looking at uh, how does it really work. And uh, through 40 years of experience, 20 years of superintendent, I can tell you there are some things that uh, research that's out there may work in a certain place, but it may not work in, in my place. So uh, if, if people challenge some of my comments, it's based on my experience may be different from where they're at, but uh, I don't get hung up in uh, in, in everything that's research-based. So just want to precursor. Well, absolutely. And, you know, uh, sometimes I wonder if people who want to dive into research are, are making it too complicated. I mean, education uh, is it shouldn't be this tough, right? Like you learn to read. Um, how, how do you read? Um, phonics seems like a great way to get started. And then we have a battle over that. Um, mathematics, it, it, it shouldn't be that complicated. Other countries do this all the time. We used to do it really well. Sometimes I wonder if we're not getting too bogged down in the details and just focusing on the old three R's. Well, you know, I, I'm a big firm believer uh, you know, in, in simplicity, um, you know, it's, you, you do what you do and, and, uh, you know, it, it yeah, I, I believe you, you can get way too complicated in, in life. Uh, you know, basketball is a perfect example. I mean, how, how do you win a basketball game? You score one more bucket than the other team. <laughs> uh, you know, we spend a lot of time, you know, diving into X's and O's and the reality is kids need to learn to shoot the basketball. Uh, you know, Vince Lombardi, you know, I mean, had, the greatest theory of all, you kept running the same play until they stopped you and then you ran another one. So I, I think we do get bogged down in, in overthinking life in general. I absolutely love the analogy to sports because I think um, if you look at how we teach uh, reading, how we teach uh, the sciences, and then how we teach football, <laughs> I mean, we, we, we're not afraid to get in somebody's face and say, you have a job to do uh, in, in football, do your job. 
and and we really kind of fuss around the edges with regards to learning how to read, learning how to do math, and and, and everybody's a, everybody's a winner. I, I I wonder if we if we couldn't take a lesson from sports and apply that to education. Well, and that, that that's one of my biggest concerns. I, I I guess is where we've come to, not just in education but as a society uh, is accountability. You know, nobody wants to be held accountable, uh, whether it be personnel or students. Uh, as soon as you get into someone's face or as soon as you criticize someone, uh, they want to bring in uh, an advocate. You know, a parent does not want you to discipline the child. There is no accountability for anyone that's out there. And the reality is, and I've, what I've told people is, is we make mistakes. You know, let, let's accept that and let's accept the criticism or whatever comes along with it. And let's get better with it. But, you know, just because somebody criticizes me doesn't mean that I need to go get an advocate or somebody to represent me to, to argue that. Listen to it. Take your butt chewing and let's go on. Where did you get your start in education? Where did you go to college and what was your first job in, in the business? So I grew up in New Mexico. Uh, literally, uh, I grew up a block off of Route 66. My dad owned a mobile gas station on Route 66 in Tucumcari, New Mexico. Uh, I played basketball at New Mexico Military Institute in Roswell, New Mexico. Uh, we were 12th in the nation my sophomore year. If anyone ever heard of Lewis Lloyd, who started for the Houston Rockets, uh, Houston was on our, or Lewis was on our, our team. And from there, I went to the Citadel in Charleston, South Carolina. So Probably four years of military school uh, framed a lot of my thought process. Uh, I'll tell you, I, I was never turned towards the military. As a matter of fact, whenever my dad dropped me off at New Mexico military, uh, he, you know, his comment was, you know, give me three hours to get home before you call me to come pick you up. <laughs> uh, so he didn't have a lot of confidence that I was going to make it. And that's probably the only reason that I stayed is that I wasn't going to give him the satisfaction uh, to do that. So you know, four years of military school, uh, you know, can uh, can have an absolute effect on your leadership, uh, on your thought process, whether it be patriotism or where, wherever you are. And you had to have clearly brought a lot of that that training to your leadership role over the last 20 years. I don't see a lot of superintendents who have uh, the Citadel background. I mean, that makes you a little different, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I think so. You know, I think it makes you look at things a little bit differently. And, and again, I think that's where the accountability piece comes in. Uh, you know, you know, accept that when somebody, you know, we all have our hierarchies, we all have our organizational charts. And, you know, if, if I'm your immediate supervisor, I expect you to respect me. Uh, I expect you to follow the orders that I give you unless I put you in a, you know, life safety uh, situation. Uh, and if you disobey your immediate supervisor, there's going to be consequences. Uh, and we've lived by that. Uh, anywhere that I've been, you know, you don't you don't jump ranks. You don't go uh, up the chain of command and skip some rungs of the ladder. Uh, that that doesn't happen. There's a purpose for your organizational chart, a reason for doing things. Uh, it, it creates a good systemic ability. But you know, you you have that, and I think the system uh, is where we have success or failures. Uh, you know, in the systems that we've created, whether it be nationally, uh, statewide, or locally. You talk about accountability, and it's a word that gets thrown around in education quite a bit, um, particularly 
it was mentioned a lot in the early 2000s with regards to state assessments under No Child Left Behind. Uh, it, it has gone a little bit by the wayside, particularly in the last year when you you hear districts and, and states saying they're not going to test students because of what they perceive as a learning loss this year. Isn't that sort of giving up a little bit with regards to not knowing where a student is through an assessment? You know, the, the testing, I think, is uh, is misplaced. I, I, I think there's a huge misunderstanding of of the purpose of testing. Uh, you know, the accountability piece is really not just for the teacher, but it's also for the student. Uh, you know, that we, we want to see the progress of the student, you know, what, what they're making, right? I mean, that's the purpose of testing is to say, you know, so we, we imposed this on a child. Did it work? If it didn't work, then let's regroup. Again, just like in, in coaching, you go back and watch, you watch game film. You know, let's, let's, that, didn't, that play didn't work. Let's change that. Well, in education, you, you have that, that short cycle or your, your interim assessments. If it's not working, you've got to redo that or, or redefine how you're doing that. And I think the problem is, is pe- teachers a lot of times felt that they were being overburdened by that and being held accountable on some things that they had no control over. Uh, the home life of a child. You know, if, if you give an assignment to a child and the child doesn't do it and then the child fails, then I'm held accountable. Yes or no? I mean, I, I don't have that argument, but, you know, I, I think the biggest thing whenever I look at accountability and I struggle with this on a daily basis is what do we measure? You know, what what makes a child successful whenever they graduate from high school in Hobbs, New Mexico? All of our students wear a black and gold gown, and that's that's a big deal to us. So when they walk across that stage in that black and gold gown, do they have the skill sets to be successful, whether it be college, whether it be technical school, military, straight to work, did we give them the skill sets? And I don't know that as a nation, uh, I, I can guarantee you as a state in New Mexico, we've not defined what those skill sets are for them to be successful. So when we talk about accountability, how do we measure that when we don't even know what the skills are? There's an old saying in politics, nationally that that politics ends at the at the water's edge it used to be that you didn't criticize a politician of either party if they were doing a visit overseas or they were working on something that was focused on international policy do you think that politics in your 40 years has become really part of the problem with regards to education if you could remove politics out of education i think you would see a tremendous improvement in the quality of education so I, I had a, a man that worked for me for several years, uh, and he was uh, in charge of our data and assessment from Thailand. Uh, his comment was, uh, in, in the Asian uh, countries, they set a 10-year plan. And then no matter what happens in their, in their government uh, hierarchy, you can't mess with that plan. Uh, and, and I think that's what happens. You know, we go either every two or other four-year election and we do a fruit basket turnover because somebody comes in with a new plan and you can't do that to educators or to students. You know, I, gosh, the kids that are graduating today that started kindergarten 13 years ago, can you imagine the different changes or different concepts that people have brought in to them? Uh, and yet we don't give it enough time to say this has a long-term effect, positive or negative, to this child 
because everybody brings in their new ideas. So if we could remove politics out and have a national consortium or a state consortium that said, you know, you know, whether it be bipartisan, let's look and let's create a plan that is a 10 year plan. And this is what we're going to stick with. And this is how we're going to move forward. I think people can buy into that. And granted, that's what was was the plan from the No Child Left Behind. I mean, that was the intent. But as time went on, it kept getting tweaked. And so, you know, you didn't have the fidelity of the implementation of that. So you really don't know how that worked out. Uh, but I can tell you the pendulum has swung hard the other way out of assessments to now, uh, you know, the, the entire conversation is social emotional learning. It's absolutely the buzzword that now and I, I, I hear learning loss and I hear now some only in America during the social media world that we live in. There's people fighting back against that phrase uh, of learning loss during the last summer. And I, I, I guess I don't even know where I fall in that argument. I'm not sure I want to get in, engaged in it. But social emotional learning, is that something that might be a bridge too far with regards to what education is capable of doing. Originally, I think conceived this, this system of education was put together with some assumptions that the social emotional part was mom and dad. And now you're, you're starting to dive into things that used to be mom and dad stuff. And now it's the school's business to figure out how to smooth the edges on social and emotional issues of a student. Are we even, are we even capable of doing that? Well, and here's where uh, as I warned you before, uh, my uh, <laughs> uh, my pol political incorrectness will, will come forward. Uh, we are uh, imposing our beliefs on children at three years of age. Uh, we are raising your children. Uh, and if you live in a community that you don't agree with how that school system is is being uh, handled, uh, your child is is receiving information uh, from three through 18 or 19 years of age, uh, whether directly or indirectly, the, those beliefs are being pushed out there. Uh, you know, I've seen some really good things happen with uh, preschool, with early childhood, uh, but the amount of money that's being pushed in there, uh, there's also a lot of research that says after the third grade, some of those uh, gains are, are, are fading away. Uh, so... I, I think we need to redefine that. Uh, again, it's all about the quality of the instruction. If you're only doing childcare, then that's what you're going to get. If you're actually doing academic instruction, then you're going to get academic instruction. As far as social emotional, you know, I'm a firm believer that, you know, you need to ki teach kids and they call them the soft skills. I know that there's other terminologies on that now, but show you my age. Uh, but kids need to learn how to interact with other kids. If you go to a homogenous school, if you go to a private school and everybody looks like you and acts like you and is, is in the same socioeconomic uh, boundaries that you are in, when you get thrown out into the real world, are you going to be able to handle those other people? That's the thing that I love about public education is you may be sitting next to a child that is, lives in, uh, in poverty, or you may be sitting in, with a child who lives in a million-dollar home. And you've got to be able to handle those types of scenarios. That, to me, is social-emotional learning. Teaching people how to handle things, how to have a conversation without screaming at each other, uh, how to have a conversation and say, you know what? You may be right in your mind, 
I may be right in my mind, and we can be okay thinking different thoughts. We don't have to think alike, but we don't have to scream and yell and hurt each other physically or mentally to agree to disagree. And I think that's one of the biggest life lessons that we can learn. I've, I've seen so many kids that are average or below average academically, but when they graduate from high school and they come back and visit with me years later, they're very successful. They may be a welder. They may be a pipe fitter, they may be a plumber, or they may be a doctor, but their academic performance in school may or may not have had a great impact on how they matured as adults. And so the accountability piece I go back to, I don't know that we know what to measure uh, when we say, you know, the kids are, are, are doing well in school. Uh, I think the way that you tell whether a school is performing is you look at how did their graduates do? Uh, Ten years down the road, you do a survey or you find all of those kids who graduated from Hobbs High School, and if they're being successful out in the world, Hobbs High School did a good job of that. If you've got the vast majority that are living in poverty, that can't find a job, that you know, are not you know, uh, being positive to society, then we didn't do our job. Uh, and so I think the day-to-day -day, uh, accountability is really hard to measure. Well, we get back to football, do your job, right? And it sounds like right. for 40 years, uh, TJ, you have really put your back into doing your job uh, as an education leader. Uh, finally, I'll just ask, tell me a little bit about Hobbs, New Mexico. What makes it, uh, what makes Hobbs special? Hobbs is, is, is a great place. So if you don't know where we are, we're in the far Southeastern corner of the state. Our school district uh, boundary is literally next to the Texas state line. So we have a lot in common uh, with the state of Texas. Uh, we are an oil and gas uh, community. Uh, Lee County is the largest oil producing county in the nation. Uh, again, that, that has a huge impact on who we are, what we are. Uh, we're, one of the greatest things we've got going, and I'm really excited, we're in the middle of building a $50 million a career technical uh, center for our kids. And one of the largest aspects of that is going to be a energy sector uh, we did a public-private partnership where we got $30 million from the private industry uh, to help us build that. Wow. And, and again, I'm going to say this. I, I think that's the way that things need to be done. I don't think we need to tax our taxpayers anymore. Uh, we need to look at public-private partnerships uh, so everybody lay, uh, learns and, and gains a benefit from that. Uh, but I, I'm not a pro-tax person. TJ, what, what's next for you? Uh, retirement? I can't see you just playing golf every day. What, what are you going to do next? <laughs> you know, that's that's the million-dollar question, <laughs> and that's what people keep asking me. And, of course, my contract goes through June 30th. Uh, and, and right now, you know, I, I know that I've got some consulting work to do for the state of New Mexico with some uh, new superintendents. But but beyond that, I got nothing. I mean, I'm going to wake up July one, look at the clock and wonder what in the world is going on. But uh, I, I agree. I've, you know, for my wife's sake, I, I can't stay at the house, uh, you know, for 40 years and doing this work. You know, it, it has kept us uh, alive and going and, and I'm going to have to do something. And and, and again, I'm, I'm open to a lot of things. But uh, right now. Uh, the pandemic and what's gone on is, has, has worn me out. Uh, you know, I, I'm tired. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest and, and need to take a break and need to, whether that be one day or one month, whatever, I, I don't know what that looks like, but need to step back, relax a little bit just for mental and physical uh, well-being and, and regroup. But 
I do. Uh, I love kids. I love education. I think that's that is my passion. That's what I want to do. And so, if I can help someone or some organization, I will continue to do that no matter what. Because I, I, I think education is the key to our our, our public uh, of our free society. Uh, if we fail in education we are going to fail uh, our, our, our society and the American dream. TJ, finally, how would folks get a hold of you if they, uh, if they wanted to pull you in and bring in that 40 years of, of wisdom? Uh, are you on LinkedIn? What's a good way to reach out to you? So I, I'm on, uh, I am on LinkedIn, uh, Facebook. Uh, I, I do have a Twitter account. Uh, and literally, um, you know, my, my uh, email address is tjparks76 at gmail.com. And I'm not afraid to give in my cell phone out. Uh, my cell phone is my lifeline, just like everyone else. Uh, and that's 575-441-7952. And, and again, if people just want to sit and chat, I, I love to talk. I love to talk about education. I love problem solving. Uh, uh, you know, love to listen to what other people have to offer. And, uh, and that's the way you learn. And, and literally, you need to listen to opposing views. You know, if everybody I worked with thought the same way I did, then I don't need to hire anybody, right? You're right. Uh, you, you need to hear opposing views and, and be able to critically think. TJ Parks is the superintendent for the time being, another week or so in Hobbs Municipal School District. TJ, uh, thank you for all you've done. Thank you for today. You, sir, are a steely-eyed missile man. Well, thanks, Todd. I, I appreciate. It. I I have I have enjoyed our uh, our relationship and and uh, love following you. And uh, you know, education has been a pleasure to me. It's it's not been a job. It has been my livelihood, and uh, I love it. So anything I can give back uh, to this, uh, I, I would love to give. But thank you for what you do. Uh, you have a very important role as well, and I, I thank you and, and appreciate it. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. His name is TJ Parks. And uh, get a hold of this guy. He can help somebody out in this uh, world of education. He's got more to, to give. I, I'm certain of that. Thank you, TJ. You bet. Thanks, Todd. You bet. If you want to learn more about the show, please visit www.strategosgroup.com. Please consider subscribing on your podcast streaming platform so you don't miss out on our next episode. And until next time, I'm Todd Dallas-Lamb, signing off.